Man, you're getting killed out there. <sighs> Tell me about it. I feel like Rocky after 15 rounds with Apollo Creed. Speaking of Rocky, did you know that Sylvester Stallone wrote the first draft of the movie in only three days? Did you know that Sylvester Stallone permanently flattened out his knuckles from punching the side of beef? What about Burgess Meredith? He had lived his line in the audition, which landed him the role of Mickey. Or that a destitute Sylvester Stallone turned down $350,000 because the studio didn't want him starring in it? Well, you can find this out and much, much more by listening to Rocky Minute, the fan podcast that covers the Rocky movies one minute at a time. You can find us on DuelingGenre.com. Now get back out there and knock this bum out. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Mulan from the Disney animated film, Mulan. And joining the discussion is returning guest, Kestra Dorowski. Welcome back, Kestra. Thank you. And also her husband, producer Andrew, is going to be jumping in some on this discussion. Right, Andrew? I will. <laughs> he looked kind of like, uh... No, I was, I was <laughs> not like, what about me? I was not what about me-ing. <laughs> no, it was just like... Uh, like like you were expecting you to be announced first no i was i was uh, this was the correct order of things (laughs) okay i'm not your face just looked a little i I was i was i don't know i was thinking about something i don't know it's natural to have you on together to discuss a disney animated film because you are the team behind disney animated minute essentials which has a full season discussing the disney animated film snow white and the seven dwarves one minute at a time correct Mm-hmm. Uh, small correction. Yeah. Disney Animation Minute Essentials, if you have to search for it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry about that. I just always see it listed <laughs> okay, as you're not the only one. we talk about. It is a, we, we, we call ourselves Dame yeah. a lot. So. It's a very common mistake. Yes, very common. And we are in the middle of... We are working on uh, Little Mermaid, which we have recorded a great deal of before our first child was born. And she is now two. Yes. Um, <laughs> it was more disruptive than anticipated. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we had our second child and it didn't get easier. No, but, <laughs> but it's going to come this year. Yeah. We are committing to, to this year and we are hoping to start recording again soon. And I've been editing the episodes we've already recorded. So we'll re- be releasing them and we we're we're getting there. And so the more Kestra and I get to podcast together on, on appearances like this, or we were on um, Lord of the Rings Minute a few weeks ago, the more prepared we are to get back into the groove. Especially me, because you've done more podcasting in the last two years than I yes. have. Yeah, you, yeah. You've never left you know, the, uh, the protagonist uh, side of things. Yeah. And, and you don't realize, you know, how tricky it is to like get back into, oh, I need to, I need to record until... You've had two kids. <laughs> yes. And, and you know, had all of that interruption. It's like, okay, let's face it. At a certain point during pregnancy and recovery, sitting down for two hours to record episodes of podcasts well, is usually hard to, to do at a time. hours because of, like, in between. Stuff. Yeah. And so sitting down for three hours to try and record podcast stuff, I'm like, that is a little tricky with a newborn and <laughs> with, like, recovery. Yeah. Um, are you going to call season two of 
your your podcast Little Merminute? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, that's that is recorded in every yes. episode so far. <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> All right, but uh, today we are talking about Mulan, a different Disney animated film. Uh, Mulan was directed by Barry Cook and Tony Bancroft and was written by, it looked like an entire writer's room of, of people who had a hand in the script. And that included Rita Hsiao, Philip Lezebnik, Chris Sanders, Eugenia Bostwick-Singer, and Raymond Singer. And it fe- featured the voices of Ming-Na Wen as Mulan, Eddie Murphy as Mushu, and B.D. Wong as Li Shang. It was released on June 19th, 1998, and it tells the story of Mulan taking her father's place in the Chinese military and saving China from the invading Hun warriors. Do you guys remember when you first saw Mulan? No. It came out when I was <sighs> almost four. So I, I would I probably I would have been about seven. So I probably saw it in theaters or right when it came out out on VHS. Yeah, like I'm almost certain that I saw it in theaters. I remember we had a VHS that had the the preview before we were calling them trailers. Um, the preview for for Mulan on the VHS. I don't remember which Disney film that was. Um, but I remember seeing that that preview every time we we popped in man thinking about it's hard to like i want to say trailer but i also want maybe hercules yeah but like so i remember seeing that a bunch and like getting the lead up to it and then i know we had it and i know i saw it and i probably saw it in theaters because we went out to the theaters to see these films at the time um my it was one of my sister's favorite films she loves mulan and so we we watched it and I loved it. I love it too, but she loved it more than me, I think. Um, but we watched it quite frequently and we were big Disney watch movie family. We were Disney. What am I trying to Disney say? Disney watching family. Yes. Disney movie watching family. Disney movie watching family. That's what it is. Yes. I almost said Disney watching family movie. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's not it. That's not what we want. No. Yes. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater when it came out. I kind of remember that. And then we, we had on DVD. I was in high school. I think I also remember having it on one time on a uh, uh, a bus trip for a cross-country race in another state where we had a full bus of cross-country runners. <laughs> and Mulan ended up. Joseph, I don't, know if we, I don't know if we had it on DVD. I think we had it on VHS. Oh, VHS. Did I say DVD? I meant VHS. Uh, yes. Ex- ex- exclusively the cassette. Yeah. I've had it on both. So, <laughs> And now we have it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I've had so. it on on VHS, DVD, uh, Apple TV, and now Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of trivia about Mulan, and feel free to jump in if you think there's anything significant that I missed, because I know Disney films are your area of expertise. Uh, Mulan is based on the Chinese legend of Hua Mulan. This was the ninth animated film released in the period that is called the Disney Renaissance, and it was the 36th animated feature overall for the company. Um, Disney <laughs> animation... It, I was a little blown away when I was looking up the trivia on this. They were working on what sounds like an extremely problematic straight to video film called China doll. Have you heard about this? A little bit. Yeah. It was about, and I don't like the sound of it so far who was rescued by a British Prince charming. And that's what it was called. A British Prince charming who takes her to a happy life in the West. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, um, that's even worse than I thought it was. <laughs> uh, I'm grabbing my neck. <laughs> yeah. 
then uh, Disney option. And this was in the 90s, right? So you'd, you'd think like that sounds like, you know, 50s project for Disney. But no, that was in the 90s. They optioned a poem about the Chinese legend of Mulan. And they decided to combine combine those two projects, which in the end, all I can think of is maybe some of like the design work they had going for China. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't think a lot of this combining happened. I think yeah, it's, uh, n- none of the plots made it over. <laughs> but I'm wondering if like some of the sketch work or, you know, design elements, maybe that is all I could think of. Um, yeah. I found that mentioned in like t- two or three different places when I was looking stuff up. I'm like, ooh, that China doll. I'm glad that project never made it out. <laughs> um, yes. Donnie Osmond, who does the singing voice of um, uh, Lee Shang, he said that his sons told him he had made it in show business when he got to sing in a Disney film. <laughs> I saw that too. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Mean, it's pretty good, especially, especially especially in the mid to late nineties. Like, yeah. that's that's good and, stuff. And this music is real, real good. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great classic Disney song. Oddly, for a Disney musical, there are four songs in this. Yeah, there's uh, so it's what, a little light reflection <laughs> and, and make a man out of you. What are the other two? Girl worth fighting for and honor to us all. Right. Okay. And uh, the last song is Girl Worth Fighting For, which is what... Like, like the end of Act 2? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say right about the end of Act 2. Yeah, for, for Disney musicals in particular, for, for the Renaissance era, they were leaning heavy into the Broadway musical style. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is actually narrative. quite light. Yeah. There's there's a small, like, one-line reprise of I'll Make a Man Out of You at the very end of the film. but That's like. true. But like very small, very small Mm -hmm. reprise. A little bit more trivia. Mulan grossed $120 million at the U.S. box office and $304 million worldwide. It was the seventh highest highest grossing film of the year. It has an 86% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It won the Annie Award for Best Feature uh, that year. And uh, a live action version will be released by Disney in March of 2020. Very shortly after this is scheduled to be released, I believe. that will let me let me double check our schedule it's like we planned it's like it we planned it or or rather someone pointed out that this would be a good idea this would be a good idea yeah so a month after this this episode is scheduled to drop is when um that that will be coming out uh yeah my my daughter uh lizzie uh was like have you ever done milan and i said no we haven't done that one and she's like the movies the live action one's coming out you should do the animated film and i was like she's right we should. <laughs> she's right. <laughs> she's she's got a, a an eye for synergy. Yes. So uh, that is what inspired uh, us to to tackle this this film. And fortunately, like I said, I knew the right people to call on. <laughs> I was going to be talking about uh, a a Disney animated film. Uh, and and Andrew, Andrew, it was actually hard for us when we were watching it. To you were saying. Oh, I was going to say, it was really hard to get a hold of you to, to ask you to help help out with the yeah. Magnus podcast, you know. Extreme, and, and especially and, busy. And, and hard for me to to just jump into because, mm-hmm. you know. It was hard for us. House, it was it? hard for us to watch the movie as a the movie, movie and like do any level of analysis. Like when we're watching a movie, we can a Disney animated film now. We can usually watch it mostly, especially when the kids are there. And when it's just us, I mean, we're only going to pause it like four or five times um, instead of every minute to, but, to take down notes. But when we were watching it to think about analysis, we're like, wait, no, we're not pausing here. We're not like deconstructing this minute. We yes. are doing the whole thing 
it was really hard because I was like, oh, I want to pause here, ask a question, write down some notes, and and like, and then pause a minute later. Like, it was really hard. I was like, it, I just want to do minute by minute of it. And like overall, it still having done minute by minute, it, like it changes how we watched this movie. As soon as we were thinking about like analyzing it for just just this one podcast, just like adding in all these things, like oh, never thought about this before. But it seems like Mulan's family is wealthy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and like, you're, um, like possibly land, on, land owning. Uh, over on the minute by minute podcast, like to talk about one minute of film, your average episode was probably between twenty five and thirty five minutes. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, typically, sometimes more, sometimes less. Yeah, and so you yeah. spend a lot of time deconstructing. It's like it's never once occurred to me to think about. It's like Mulan's family seems more well off than most of their neighbors. They might be land owning you know, gentry in this area. Yeah. And like that changes the dynamic of all of this. Like, okay, well, if a wealthy family it has no heir, right. that is a, a different dynamic as they think about it. And like, oh, they've been dealing with the fact that the family doesn't have a son for a long time. All the neighbors are aware of this fact. Like that is a, an interesting sort of consideration that like, Hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. Right. When the, and, the opening number um, is about matchmaking, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, Andrew the had, had different asked me. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew had asked me to possibly look up some some trivia uh, to just help you, Joseph, in case you didn't get to stuff that I wanted. And I was like, okay. And as I was, as I was looking through trivia, I was like, oh, this is good to be good to talk about. Wait. No, that's good to talk about for the minute by minute movie. Yeah, when, you, when you come through with a total of 40 hours of discussion. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, before we jump into the full summary, we want to thank you listeners for downloading this episode. And we especially want to thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers and give monthly updates on our fantasy box office. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. So now on to the full uh, summary for Mulan. Uh, which was a pretty simple one to write. I love straightforward narratives when it comes to having to summarize them. I like complex narratives to sit back and enjoy. <laughs> but uh, for having to write, I was like, I watched it and I was like, okay, here we go. This one's not going to be too troublesome. So the Huns, led by Shan Yu, invade China. The emperor orders one man from each family to enlist in the military. Fa Mulan knows her father, who is the only male in the family, is too old. Uh, so she takes his armor and disguises herself as a man to join the army. Mulan's grandmother prays to her ancestors to protect Mulan and a small dragon named Mushu, who is desperate to make up for some past disgrace, responds to this call and goes to protect Mulan. Mulan reports to the army camp where Captain Li Shang is unimpressed with the men he has to train. Fortunately, a training montage during a Donny Osmond song prepares Mulan and all the men for war. To make sure Mulan can prove herself, Mushu creates fake orders for Li Shang to bring reinforcements. When the reinforcements arrive, they discover the army has been massacred by the Huns. Um, and Li Shang's father was in charge of that army, so uh, his father was killed in this attack. The reinforcements are ambushed by the Huns, but Mulan uses a cannon to create an avalanche that wipes out most of the invading force. Mulan is wounded, though, and in treating her wounds, the army discovers that Mulan is a woman. The law requires that she be executed for pretending to be a man, but Li Shang spares her life, but then expels her from the army and leaves her alone. Uh, the remaining army travels to the capital city, where they will be honored by the emperor. 
Mulan discovers some surviving Huns have also traveled to the capital, and she goes to warn Li Shang and the Emperor. The Huns capture the Emperor and barricade themselves in the palace. Mulan is able to lead her friends, now disguised as women, into the palace. They defeat the Huns, though Shan Yu seeks out uh, Mulan for personal revenge. Mulan lures him onto the roof where she has Mushu launch a rocket at him, which strikes Shan Yu and carries him into a collection of fireworks, all of which go off. The Emperor reprimands Mulan for destroying his palace, but then thanks her for having saved him and all of China. The assembled crowd bow to Mulan. The Emperor asks her to be his advisor, but she says she needs to return to her family. Shang follows Mulan to her home, where it appears some courting may be about to happen. The end. (laughs) That was significantly shorter than the average (laughs) protagonist summary. Yeah. uh, It's really straightforward, guys. Like, it's not complex. (laughs) <laughs> it is satisfying it, it's it's good it's entertaining it hits it yeah. has the, the, the the act structure you expect uh you know you you get uh basically the whole hero's journey um you know happens yeah you have uh, good so, so it's all good animation good action sequences training montages oh i love a training montage but yeah it's it's all there and uh it's it's satisfying so uh well done disney and making a pretty tight compact um it's a Less than two hours, I'm sure, right? The the runtime on this, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I I I don't even know if it's an hour and a half. Yeah. Um. So it's it, it is one hour and twenty eight minutes long. Ah, oh, so I was right. <laughs> and uh, way to pivot away from China Doll to make this one. <laughs> yes. Good choice. <laughs> Good choice, Disney. Um, one thing I do want to acknowledge at the very top, though. Um, which I don't, I, I can't remember when I last watched Mulan. Um, like I know my kids have watched it. My daughter's watched it, but I haven't like sat and watched it with her. Um, I did watch it with my kids in preparation for this. Uh, and some of the, uh, not, not the main characters, but some of the side characters, there is some uncomfortable stereotype, uh, stereotypical imagery for, um, for how the West has portrayed, uh, Asians of, all d- descents and nationalities um, at, at different periods. Um, particularly, uh, who is the the emperor's advisor? Um, uh, oh, oh, uh, Chief Fu. Uh, I think it's Chief Fu. Chief Fu, and then also Sean Yu. Like they're different versions of some of the negative stereotypes that, particularly in American um, artistic renderings you saw in pop culture during world war ii when america was uh at war with japan there was a lot of very negative uh dehumanizing stereotypical imagery that got used um that was either uh emasculating for asian men or dehumanizing for the asian race as a whole and you kind of see both of those in those characters yes uh, in a way that was a little uncomfortable <laughs> um, when, when I was watching it. Um, like, like I think for me, there's a lot of art where as I have learned more context and gained greater appreciation of things and matured, like I gained greater appreciation for stuff that maybe I didn't quite understand when I was younger. This is one instance where like greater study and understanding of American pop culture history and some of those stereotypes, like, as circled back for a negative impact that I don't think it hit me at all in the nineties. When I watched this in the theater, I don't think I was noticing any of that, but watching it this time I was like, Oh, they're not, not wild about that part of it. Even as a whole, this is, um, you know, a, a, a celebration of a lot of Chinese culture. Yeah. And I think some of that is because, um, 
so much of the cultural interpretation of stereotypes of that culture is is so dangerously problematic like you said um you know stemming from um really terrible propaganda type depictions during the war and things like that doing any type of comedic caricature even you know 50 years later it's like okay that's gonna be pretty dicey well, it remains like and um, there's the, no the real Rooney way around character it. Like, in, the, the culture um, has has earned it, and it's like I was saying, the, the Andy Rooney character in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, right, is like a, a black spot on that film. Where it's like, oh, it's, everyone loves the film, but ooh, that that part makes you wince a bit, right? Yeah, um, and I mean, the, and and so when you've got you know the film, which is you know, set in that. And then you have to have, it's like, okay, now let's have a character caricature, comedic character. It's like, okay, that's maybe not a great move. <laughs> yes. And, and, and we're going to have a villain. Doing a caricature of that is going to put it, and it's going to put it into bad, some bad territory. I've never, um, I've never considered, um, you know, like yellow peril energy for, for the villain, uh, Sean Yu. But now that you mention it, it's like, yeah, they, they do some some demonizing effects on him, yellowed eyes and fangs and, in the eyes, and things right? like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that is a, a little bit of a rough mark on that design. But I'd never once considered it until you mentioned it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's one of those cultural things that yeah. that was done. On the whole, I think the the villain character is stronger than people give a lot of credit to yes um, he's one of the w- villains that people don't neglect. acknowledge yes neglect uh we we own um the game villainous and we have taken notice of how many villains they they have like which which villains they include and so all for yeah, which villains don't know they the game, include and they're coming out explain what villainous is it's um it's a game where you are a villain from a Disney franchise from a Disney movie. Uh so in the in the base set there's uh villains like Ursula Maleficent, Prince John, uh C- Captain Hook. Um there's two others that I can't think of. Uh Jafar and, and Queen, Queen of Hearts. Hearts. And uh you have your own little set in front of you and you're trying to complete a, a task um uh before someone else does. And uh, and people can uh, put um, like well, fates on you, but and yeah, at this and, point, and, it's, it's a board game. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a board game, and um, and they have different expansions, and they're coming out with a new one in March. But I don't think they have Sean Yu yet. No, I don't think he's he's really on the radar. And and like the villains that they choose, like I would not have thought of um, the Queen of Hearts as like oh that's a top tier. Put it in the first round Disney. Yeah, villain. or or Prince John. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so with the expansions, each expansion is, is like three new villains that can be played with the game. And so it's interesting to see like who they put in there. And, and I suspect Sean Yu is pretty low on the list, but I think he's, you know, as stable as, as any villain, as, as any D- Disney villain to, to get in the mix. You yes. know, they, um, one of the expansions, I think one of the first expansions has Scar. It's like, that's a top tier Disney villain. Queen the the evil queen. That's a top tier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then like one of the one of the first two expansions has Radigan from Great Mouse Detective. I'm like, 
that would have been a bit lower on my list. That one is from the Dark Age, so that one is really like like that's surprising. That's really surprising that they had that. Thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't but have yeah. named that villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it, they they really neglect Shan Yu in a lot of merchandise and and a bunch of things. They neglect and, Mulan quite a bit in, in yes. merchandising opportunities. Mm-hmm. They really only use Mulan um occasionally at disneyland and occasionally or and and so occasionally she meets at, at disneyland and then epcot she meets she has a a, a meet and greet at, at epcot but like in the park but it's hard, really... hard to find her as a character to meet and, and yeah. get an autograph from yeah was she in and the there's not a lot of merchandise in and no. too? Yes. yes um mm-hmm. she was and i think um so uh, very little merchandise, um, few opportunities to interact at the parks, and I don't think any rides or attractions um, featuring her. Possibly in one of the Asia parks, but I'm not but entirely I, sure. I, I think that's part of like the latter renaissance. Like, There's not a whole lot going on with Hercules or uh, mm-hmm. or Hunchback, right? Or Pocahontas, right? Like, There's a kind of the yeah, latter renaissance way, So is all left off yeah, a lot so of it's... the parks and, and marketing. Um, stuff. And they've certainly, I mean, like they've adapted quite a bit of Pixar stuff in. So it's interesting to see where the ebb and flow is and um, and how things stay the same. And, and when you're dealing with the parks, it's a very different dynamic about how those parks exist as a nostalgia factor. Like they have to have a certain amount of, but this is what the park has been. You know, you've, you so there's a lot of rides that like, well, these are not connected to movies. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of stuff that has received movie influence. So it's, so it's interesting to see that um, connection point and transition and, and all of that. And they're opening, you know, new parks internationally from time to time. And so they can uh, change up the dynamics. And one of the big things that they have opportunities to, to feature um, new characters in is the meet and greets, because you can do that anywhere. You don't have to create, you know, space. You don't have to do construction to do that. And the parades, which is a fairly low level of, of construction and adapting a float to feature characters, but, but she doesn't really appear in many parades. That yeah. I but I bet of. she did in yes, the late nineties. I'm sure she did because they change out the parades every couple of years. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if we, uh, the live action film does well. Is there like a resurgence of some of this? I'm praying it does. Cause it, it looks really good and I'm really excited. We're, we're for quite it. excited for it. Um, all right, I'm sorry. I sent us into kind of a ta- tangent. I think with the my my like one of the, the 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 something that rubbed me on this viewing that I don't think I had noticed before. Um, but um, on the whole, uh, I want to cite what my daughter said. Um, in preparation for this podcast, um, my wife said, "Do you know what you're gonna say about Mulan yet?" Like right after we watched it, I'm like I don't know. I'll think about it. And then Lizzie said, "She's a strong character that saves China." <laughs> Like, is that what you're gonna say? Well, okay, yeah, that's pretty, that's a good pretty thing. Big note. Pretty, pretty big note. <laughs> yeah. One thing that we have to say about Mulan is they establish that she is a problem solver from the very get go, and and they have all these things throughout the movie where she is problem solving things that people wouldn't have uh, in ways that people wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, it, like it seems like they had throughout the film they had you know established in their minds what is her characterization. And they carry that through. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of um, early Disney films, like it's the magical aid is what gets things accomplished. And this Mushu is not terribly competent as far as 
aid. <laughs> um, yeah, not the most he, helpful aid. Yeah, uh, and it, when he is useful, it's often because Mulan directs him in what to do. Like, you are an asset because you breathe fire, particularly. Therefore, I'm going to use you to uh, launch this cannon, or I'm going to tell you to go aim this firework here and, and to light it. Um, versus, you know, a fairy coming in and magically solving a lot of the issues that a heroine was facing. Yeah, yes. he, he is at best an assist. Yes. Um, but they but they start from from the very beginning, you know, like you first see her um, like having to do chores at her home. And so she gets the dog to help her perform her chores, chores efficiently. And then she's in the street and she observes a game of checkers or some some I don't know, not checkers. I don't know what the game is, though. Um, and but she immediately kind of assesses that game and plays a winning move. Right. So she has strategic and tactical savvy yeah and um that gets complemented uh through uh like like physical strength that is earned like when uh, her, her fighting prowess isn't something that's innate to her like we have to have a massive training montage and it's still pretty well demonstrated like she's not suddenly as strong as the men, right? <laughs> She's not suddenly, um, you know, magically uh, better, you, you know, so far beyond that it, it's unbelievable. It is, she's she's got skills that she has trained for. Um, and that is, um, you know, co- complementing the problem solving that you guys pointed out was there from the, the very first scenes of Mulan. Mm-hmm. But, but her inherent problem solving seems to be the thing that, makes the difference. That is why she is able to save China. So if, uh, b- besides problem solving, what stands out, uh, for Mulan as the protagonist of this film? Um, I think problem solving is a big one, but, uh, she, <laughs> um, she's trying to protect her family. She's trying to protect her father and she knows that this is in a, in a legal way, but she knows that she she can't really help her family um, as a as someone who marries wealthy or marries someone and bears sons. She she knows that's not really what she can do because she's so different from other porcelain, quote unquote, dolls, girls, like they say, in honor to us all. Um, she's just not that kind of person and she, she wants to be someone else and, and she, she proves that she can do it. And, um, and I think that's kind of a strong thing for, for girls to her age and, and boys, um, little girls, little boys watching this film can, can do is that you can be you, even if, even if it's something that isn't really approved all of the time. You should be who you are. So I like what you've said about like one of her key traits that leads to her success is her problem solving that we see, uh, you know, in feeding the chickens, uh, in in climbing the pole during the the montage scene, um, in in the big finale, like problem solving, uh, you know, facing the Huns all left and right. You see her her intelligence and her wit and her ability to overcome immediate obstacles with a plan uh, is something that carries her out or, or, or carries the day for her. We also um, as as you noted, we see that like the motivation for the the narrative 
that we have in the film is her love of family. Like her desire to protect her family um, is what's motivating her. And I think we also have to layer in like this um, dedication, like, like won't quit attitude. <laughs> like, yeah. There, there's that, grit. That, yes. Grit. That's the word for it. It's, uh, some of the problem solving isn't instantaneous. It's not like she looks at the pole with the arrow on top and knows, I know how to climb that with weights attached to my arm. Um, it's through a lot of trial and error that she is the one who finds the solution. Um, but it involved grit and effort um, on top of the, the mental work of thinking through problems. Right. Yeah. And, and like her, I'm not like disregard for rules. Like she's got some rebellion um, attitude in her. Like she knows that she doesn't fit the mold that society has for her. And so she's kind of actively fighting that and, and like trying to find a way through it. But then when she decides to, you know, just violate the, the social norms and the laws um, and, and just go for it she kind of starts a path that is then like carried through. Like she ultimately climbs up the pole and finishes her training and, and like, you know, inspires everyone after being told to leave. And she's like, well, no, I'm not going to listen. And when it comes time to fight the Huns and she has to take the rocket and enact her plan, it's, it's also like, no, I'm not following orders. Right. She does a lot of not following orders, not just in, in the big way of um, impersonating a soldier impersonating her father and, and all of that, like, it's pretty consistent where she has a bit of rebellion. And mm-hmm. her I Want Son definitely shows all of that um, because she knows that she isn't who who society wants her to be. And, or, and she... Um, and when she sings, she's singing about her reflection, that's the name of the song, and how it's not when she has her makeup on and, and is looking like how everything, um, every, how society is supposed to present these women to the matchmaker, she is on the inside is not that person. And, um, and she really wants to be able to be that person that she is on the inside and have her reflection reflect who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a second verse that, that no one that it's not in the movie and hardly anyone sings. And it, it also goes into that and um, talks about a docile lamb and how no one knows who she is. And she really wants to be who she is on the inside and, and make her family proud at the same time. And that's a tricky balance for her. And in the end she does it. And her father is really, it, he, he, he says that he is proud to have a daughter like her. Well, and, and we also see the, you know, the emperor accepting her, right? Uh, not the man she was pretending to be, but accepting her um, and saying, you should be my advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to, like, maybe talk a little bit about, um, and th- this is a, a character trope, and I don't know if we've, we've discussed this particular trope um, in general on the podcast, but she is one of the heroes who just perpetually doesn't fit in until the adventure starts, right? That's one of the the heroic tropes that you can see in, in Hero's Journey and those kinds of things where she says, you know, I, I know I don't fit in, but I also don't know what it is exactly that I do want to be until mm-hmm. the adventure presents itself. And so she's, she's, you know, completely this fish out of water until she has the opportunity to go on this adventure. And it's like, oh, here it is. Finally, 
like because when she's singing you know um reflection it seems like she is you know clearly knowing this is not me but she doesn't seem to have found who she is yeah like definitely what is me what is the me that would look right right and so yeah, she the doesn't first know training montage, hero. <laughs> yes the first training montage she is way behind everybody she is not uh feeling that standard and Shane ends up sending her home. Um, and then she goes and, and collects the arrow, which no one has been able to do, not even the strongest of the army with the, um, with the weights and, and the second training montage, she is ahead of everybody else. She's running in front of Shane. She is, um, in, in sync with everybody else with the, the, the kicking and the martial arts and uh, and sometimes she's just ahead of people and she's she's changed and she has found like her purpose you know what i need to amend an earlier comment i said she didn't suddenly become like physically way beyond what she could have been but in that second half i do remember she's like vastly outpacing people right yes uh just only in one task though yeah in one task okay. she's running ahead of of everybody including shane Yes. So so in mountain hiking, running with weights, she does. But then each of the characters seems to be excelling at something that they struggled with before. It, they're, they're overcoming their previous obstacles. Yeah, like Champo, as he's bouncing through the, the... The the water obstacle? Yeah, where there's like... The posts on the, the water. The posts on the water. Uh, before, he's like really nervous and... And, and, and this one, he's doing cartwheels cart across Cartwheels across and one of them is breaking a massive cinder block with his face, and one of them's running through arrows with ease. It's like so, whatever like they were shown to be deficient in, they are now uber confident. Yes, Mulan's still like like obviously succeeding um, far beyond where she was before, but now you're seeing how everybody else is um, succeeding as well, and the training has come. How far it's come? Um, are there other characters that stand out for you besides Mulan in this film? Shang. <laughs> um, Shang's a pretty big one. Um, I think, and Sean Yu is. And Sean Yu. He's, like, yeah, he's a really great villain. And, and then. And Sean Yu also has a really kind of great moment where he, um, he acknowledges Mulan as a warrior in a way that those who have seen her as a warrior and like grow as a warrior do not acknowledge her, right? They create a limitation for her as a woman. And he does not have any of that um, hesitation. He is immediately, Oh, you're the warrior from the mountain. I hate you. Not, Oh, it's not you. You're a woman, right? He has yeah. no, or, no, or gender I, bias. I was defeated by a woman, right? Which is yeah, often yeah, trope not... that you would see in, in stories with um, a, a woman in a traditionally male, you know, dominated uh, situation when, when the bad guy finds out it was a woman who defeated him. There's often like, ah, oh, I can't believe I lost a woman. He does not say that at all. He's like, oh, you're the one yeah, that shot the cannon that killed my. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no ego about it. It's, it's very personal. He's like, no, I, I will, I will fight you all out, no problem, because not you because the, you're a woman, but, but because, because you're the one who destroyed my entire my army. army. Yeah, and so he takes it, you know, very directly without any hesitation. Like he doesn't have a problem believing it at all. He doesn't doubt it. He's just immediately like, no, I recognize you. And now I'm going to fight you. Yeah. <laughs> and then and, and it's really great. Like, and I think part of it is because we, we do focus on the, the problem solving aspect and like the, the unique characteristics and, and things like that for her, um, where she defeats the army. 
but she also directly defeats the villain. Like she, she does fight the villain hand to hand and does win. And she, and she fights him and wins with a fan. Yeah. Which is, which is a, which a is female, a female, uh, a female tool. Op- tool. And, um, and sh- he's like, Oh, you, you pulled out a fan. Like that's nothing. And then she proves him wrong. And is like, no, it is something I can do anything. I am both a woman and a soldier I don't have to be either or. And, and she uses it really creatively. Again, her problem solving. And and that is maybe the one moment where he seems um, dismissive of her. Yes. Um, but it's mostly like, you don't, you, like, you don't have, you like, just don't have anything to use in this moment. Like, it's not that, it's not he, that, she, that she's a woman it's, and it's she just, has you're a You're ill-equipped and I, like, I would be this dismissive of a man in the same situation. Yes, exactly. And the move that she does with the fan is really satisfying when he stabs with the sword and she closes the fan around the blade. Like he lets the blade go it. through the fan and closes it and twists it. I'm like that, like the execution and the animation of that moment. Like it's, I, I think that's a, a move that could be tricky to translate in animation, but they, they demonstrate it really well. Like you understand, uh, like even my kids know exactly what just happened uh, and how she disarmed uh, this massive man with this giant sword. Um, with, with the fan like it all it all works in, like in yeah terms she has the complete and execution yeah Absolutely. the leverage makes sense you're like oh yeah hey that totally worked yeah that makes that that worked and and it shows that you really can do anything with 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 anything in, no matter who you are and i'm and then she jumps off the roof and's like okay now i need to, i know what ne- what i need to do next get off the roof get off the roof yeah um, also, it's it's worth pointing out. Um, some people have have made this point on the internet before. Mulan, uh, out of all Disney characters, does have the highest body count because <laughs> she takes out an entire invading horde. Yes, well, that, 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 that avalanche film, is significant. Also, the film shows the highest body count for a Disney yeah, film. Yeah, two two entire armies are decimated. Um, not in the literal turn of of decimated. I. I struggle like, to use that word appropriately. <laughs> yeah, because they're, uh, they're completely massacred. They're, they're, yes. oh, well, maybe yeah, that decimated technically is is, is you one show, out of ten. It shows a whole army that has been with of dead bodies. Yeah, but with they arrows show and, and fire and 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 a burned village, and a burned village, and with, then with implication the, of, um, of civilian casualties. The, yes. When there's the two messengers. The two messengers in the end, he tells them to tell the emperor that I'm coming and the two messengers run off and he says how many men are needed to deliver the message. And one of his lackeys says one and shoots an arrow like we don't see the arrow hit, but that's like the most personal of the, the violence, like of the deaths that we, we see there because um, it's all but on screen, whereas most of the other deaths uh, like the, the, the armies uh, are there and the snow is kind of a, a faceless mass you know that hits it but that one arrow mm-hmm. yes you know exactly what's going on there's like, a very i was gonna say it's more individual and and uh I, I think more real than a lot of the other deaths that are mm-hmm. I- implied yeah and there's a very like vivid and visceral sound effect and it's not the sound of an arrow being fired right we know what that would sound like but it's um like i don't know what to describe it as it's some sort of musical instrument that's being used in a unique way um and it sounds like um like something metallic. Like it, it's almost like um, if you hear a saw rattle really fast, you know, like you, if you, if you drag something against the edge of metal or something um, and you hear it vibrate and like, that is a really intense, like cut to black. Here's a sound effect. It's like, you know, you know that he just killed a person. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one of the more intense moments. Uh, like, like certainly not the only. Like, it's it. I'd say it's there with like Mufasa falling into the stampede. Like, like in terms of like, oh, oh, okay, we're going there. Uh, for a Disney animated film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another ca- another trio of characters. Well, we didn't we didn't talk about Shank. Oh, we didn't talk about Shank. You, you right. mentioned him, but we uh, I we I went to Shang Yu. <laughs> uh, Shane, he's um. I mean, he is, he's, he's the hero. He's, he's the Prince Charming. He's... Yes. But he, he, and, and there's like memes and, and gifts of him where, where, uh, like comparing him to, to other, uh, princes and, and how they, they, they're like, oh, I'm in love with you. And he goes, you fight good. And <laughs> he, he's, he's a very different hero he's... in that way. And he is really good at being like the, the soldier and the captain. But he and and it's actually very interesting. Like there is no romantic time in this movie, so his time to be a romantic lead, it's like there isn't any. And what little you have, it's like he's bad at this. Yeah, he's he's doesn't know what to do. And and the and the emperor's like has to like put it in his head. Hello, hello, <laughs> go. go. <laughs> um, but he so I really like that he's not really a romantic in that way. Um, and he just is a hero in in every aspect. A hero in in as a as a prince in a Disney film, but also a hero as in a general and a soldier and a captain. And he he trains these warriors who who really aren't great at this the very is not, beginning. This is not, not the front line. No, this is this is the very back line. These are all people who who stepped in for their fathers um to join the war uh and and they might seem strong they might seem tough but they're really not they're not prepared for this war and what it has to offer and as far as characters with like motivations and arcs he definitely has more than any other side characters which the other ones are side characters they're comedic relief they're you're not expecting um like the deepest motivation you get is you know i want a girl that's worth fighting for (laughs) so you know that's what you get um but he has his father's shoes to fill um, on the one hand where he's, he's seems to have a somewhat impossible task, right. To, to live up to the reputation that his father has um, as, as a leader. But then he also, um, when the reinforcements get to the massacred army, like he, he buries his father. He, he, he has that loss um, to deal with um, without really the time to process it. But he uh, um, is probably the most parallel to Mulan in terms of, uh, family motivation, like I'm doing this for family honor. I, I'm literally stepping into my father's role um, in, in both cases. Um, so there's there's more there um, in terms of what makes him a fully rounded character versus most of the other characters outside of Mulan. I mean, yeah, one of the things that his father says when he's telling Chi Fu that that Shane is ready for this is um, not just that he was head of his class and is a good soldier and everything, but that he has a great. Uh, family heritage yeah it's like impressive lineage and <laughs> yes. he strokes his own beard <laughs> um and it, that's kind of the same as mulan she had has a father who is was a hero in a previous war um and and and, uh, and uh, an injured veteran and an injured veteran and also a wealthy um citizen of china and and you can see the respect that everyone has for his family um, for, like for Mulan's um, father and and for his family name, like when Mulan reports, like they know that name at 
the training camp. Yeah. Like that's, and, that's and not notable. just not just not just Chifu and, and Shane, but but several of the other soldiers are like, Oh, you're you're like, you're a I, member of the Fa family? Like, like I did not know he had a son, meaning like they knew that there was a family. Yeah. And um and so yeah, so his Shane's Shane's lineage is something that is very similar to to Mulan in that he he has a lineage and I don't know what I was going to say with that. Well, and and like there is um that deep like commitment to honoring the family and and honoring the father in particular, right? That's right. What, and you were mentioning that Joseph, where um you know fulfilling the role of your father and trying to live up to that legacy and and all of that and and honor your family. You know that is the parallel that Mulan and Shang have in in very different experiences and and for you know Shang it's you know I am appropriately assuming the role of my father in in the military and you know following the path that's laid out and for Mulan it is I am illegally assuming the role of my father in the military in order to protect him yeah and and Shang loses that opportunity he goes through the experience that Mulan feared was losing her father in battle and and and, and Shang does lose his father in battle. And his father didn't get to see him as a captain. He just sent, he was like, okay, you're a captain. And then went off to fight this war. And so I'm sure that was hard for, for Shane to be like, okay, good luck father. And then. And he didn't get to reveal his progress. Whereas Mulan does get that reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I like everything that you guys have identified about Shane there. Uh, Kestra, a minute ago, it seemed like you were about to mention some other characters that stood out for you. I mean, there's two trios of characters, that, which are side characters. That I uh, so there's the trio of the animals, I guess. Yeah. The Mushu, Mushu Cricky, and, and Han. The, um, what? Han is yeah. the or Khan? Khan. Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly what the horse's name is. Let's look I, it up. I think horse it's Khan. Cow. No, it's not heifer. <laughs> Khan. It is Khan. Okay. Yes, Mulan's horse name is Khan. Uh, so Cricky, uh, Mushu, and Khan, and then there's the trio of Chempo, Lean, and Yao. The other soldiers. The that, other soldiers that are. I mean, they are her best friends. And both of those trios are there for mostly for comedic relief, but they both help Mulan in different ways. And I really like Khan. A lot. He's a really great horse, and he top top tier Disney horse. Top tier Disney horse. All right, real quick. You what's him? the competition? We have Maximus. Uh, Maximus, Maximus, Philippe, uh, Philippe from Philippe. Uh, no, okay. Philippe in Beauty and, Beauty and the Beast, Beast. and then Philip's horse is, is. Oh no! Oh goodness! I know oh, it. Man, I know I can't it. Remember? Um, um, but uh, I'm I trying just to remember think of other horses. Selling uh, his horse, no carrots. No carrots. The way he says carrots is. It's one of those lines like, that just sticks with you. Enunciates um, syllables that Samson. you don't know are there. What? Samson. Samson. Samson is the name of that horse. That's a strong horse name. <laughs> are the Disney um, horses going to get their own like mini film at some point? <laughs> Ooh, that'd be, that would that'd be, be interesting. That would be pretty fantastic. Um, there is a horse in 101 Dalmatians. I think it's called the Captain. Captain. It's a military title. They're, they're in a barn um, and there's a yes. horse and a dog and a cat. We will find that out um, because that's the next film after Little Mermaid. It. Um, let's see other horses. I mean, Prince Eric deals with horses, but it, there's not like a notable like this is my horse. 
No. Um, we've covered uh, we've covered Beauty and the Beast. Aladdin doesn't have any notable. Um, not for Pocahontas. Not for Hunchback. Not for Tarzan. Uh, Pegasus. Pegasus would be. Pegasus. Would, would that's be a, a pretty notable. It's a pretty notable one. I can't believe we didn't think of him. Um, at first. So I mean, the, the, the mice have turned into horses. Because you guys are doing this off the top the, of your head, right? Yeah, yeah, the mice are turned into horses in Cinderella. Do they count? They're like potential, you know. So Potentially, Jock, Jock and Gus. Jock and Gus, Gus. Um, I mean, be... Abu turns into an elephant, which is so kind he's a of steed. A, a horse, yes. Um, I, well, he he's turned into a horse briefly, right? Um, and then getting into later, uh, there is uh, Frozen Two features a water horse, uh, like a horse made of water, not oh yeah, not like yeah. a mythical. Yeah. So that, um. So I think that's called the water spirit. Yeah, the water spirit. Um, let's see. These are the only ones coming strongly to mind at this point. Um, Was there a horse in Zootopia? I haven't actually seen Zootopia yet. Not that I can not, remember. Uh, no? Not not a main character, at least. They, yeah. They might have shown a horse. In I'm, the I'm sure background. there's a horse at some point. Yeah, but, but they're not a main character. Um... So I mean, there's six or seven um, pretty solid Disney horses, yeah. and and Khan is, I mean, actually, I think they're they're all top tier. I like none of the ones we have listed are like ah. Shock and Gus, Gus and the Boo. Oh, um, oh, what's her name from Aristocats? Is it Daisy or Dutch. Lily? It's not Duchess. I Duchess am shocked you can name right. anything from Aristocats, guys. <laughs> um. There's nothing from Rescuers or Rescuers Down Under for horses. And I mean, if we were going to, like, if we want to shorten this list, it's the ones that talk. Which Aristocats is one of the only ones that is a talking horse. That and 101 Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians. There's no horses notable in Lady and the Tramp. Because Philippe doesn't talk. Maximus Mm -hmm. doesn't talk. I mean, you could do Sven. He's a steed. Yeah, that's another steed. I mean, I'm... I would watch. Do you this remember how film. we I got mean, onto? We're, we're going to watch any of the films. Uh, yeah, we were, we were talking, talking about, about Khan. The, yeah, the animal companions for Mulan. And Khan, Khan, and Cricky and Mushu. And how Khan is one of the best. I mean, sidekicks he, and and he, horses, and he's just he just follows, carries them through an avalanche. Yeah. pretty pretty significant. Yeah, and he, he he without a saddle, by the way. Yeah. And he goes straight for Mulan whenever she's in danger. She's he's like, no, mm-hmm. this is who I'm supposed to protect. I really kind, like another kind of symbol of loyalty. Yes, exactly. In, in the film, and then Cricky is Cricky. Yeah, silent comedic relief. Um, sort of. I'm trying to think, Joseph. Think of an example of like a silent comedic sidekick character. There's like a main comedian. Oh, it's um, it's like the the Tyler Harpo Marks. Oh, yeah, okay. Penn and Teller and, and Harpo, Mark, Harpo Marx. Those are those are the examples I was thinking of. So Mushu would be trivia, the, I did the Chico, see that, uh, and Cricky would be Harpo. I did see that um, the in the process of making the film, the person responsible for animating Cricky kept saying, "What's the cricket doing?" And everyone said, "Who cares?" Like, so a lot of people didn't <laughs> want the cricket in the film. <laughs> it was, I quite like him. I like Cricky. He just doesn't yeah. really. Like, there's not really much to say about him besides... He, he's just a fun sidekick. Like, yeah. he is, like, the ultimate, like, he is at the side, and he's got a little bit of a gag. And that's about it. And he is lucky. I mean, look how many times he's 
survived. <laughs> um, and then there's Mushu, which... Like, Mushu is a character. He's a character, and I love him. But at the same time, I, I'm i glad that he's not in the live action coming up. Because he works in a cartoon, it might be really disruptive to a more serious take yeah. on, on the film. As I mean, More serious than the highest body count in Disney animated picture. Yes. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so Mushu, he's he's great, um, and and he is he's funny, and and he and he has his own little arc too, yeah, and he is critical to Mulan succeeding, right? She yes. does need his help. She needs um, some of the insight that he provides, and like his he wakes her reading. up, and yeah, and he also like he wakes her up and gives her breakfast. He's like, I'm gonna be your cheerleader sometimes when you need it. Um, and she doesn't always need it. And he, he treats her like she's his like child, uh, with, with giving her food and she's off going to war and, (laughs) oh, she's, she's saved China. And yeah, like he, he has a pride, like to, to him, she is his project, right? He is, he, he is working on this. And so he likes to bask in her success. (laughs) Yeah. But but he is a dragon, and there's a lot of dragon motifs throughout the film, and um, and especially with the great stone dragon, which um, is believed that the great stone it's dragon, a, a fan theory on the internet, that Mulan is the great stone dragon, that she, the great stone dragon's like spirit, like she manifests, yeah, she the, manifests the great stone the, dragon to, to save her family, right, mm-hmm. and so that is why. The Great Stone Dragon, Dragon doesn't activate actually, as yeah. a statue. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot throughout. Because with, when she makes dragons. her she makes her her ultimate decision, like, no, I'm gonna go do this stuff. I'm gonna act rashly and and you know steal the armor and cut my hair. She's she is sitting. sitting at the statue of the Great Stone Dragon, and um, and then there's a, you know a moment where like the music shifts and it the animation shifts a little bit, and it's like, okay, here is our moment it's it like it is a musical montage without any um lyrics but it, it is the moment yeah. um for for this transition point this is her decision making moment and everything um and since she you know does save the family and and the dragon is kind of the spiritual guardian of the family you know she manifests that that guardian role and all throughout that that sequence there's just like dragon after dragon after dragon yeah. <laughs> um symbolism perhaps indicating it's like she is taking on this role yeah so there's dragon everywhere there's dragons with the the great stone dragon and mushu and there's dragons in on the hilt of her sword or her father's sword uh there's dragons on the emperor's crest that he mm-hmm. he gets the flags the flags have dragons it and um, Andrew some had of the looked- some of the walls in their home have dragons the ancestors um not headstone but the um you know, grave indicator, marker, Mark, yeah, representation. So representation. Um, includes um, have, a, have dragons. A um, there's dragons everywhere. And Andrew had looked up because in this next film, instead of a dragon, there's going to be a phoenix, or supposedly it looks like there's they, they be say phoenix, but it, it's a, a not great translation from a, a Western mythology onto a, a, an Asian mythology um, for the creature. And, um, and what I read, it indicated, you know, for China, the dragon is the masculine symbol. You know, uh, you know, if it, if it's masculine leadership and power, it, it would be a dragon. 
and then the um, Chinese Phoenix or, you know, what it gets translated as, as the Chinese Phoenix um, is the symbol of uh, feminine power and, and leadership and, um, and ruler ruling. So I really like that. Makes sense. Uh, considering some of the themes in the Mulan story. <laughs> yes. That you would yes. have a, a crossover of those two. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then the other trio, I'm assuming, is the uh, the three bozos in the in the army, right? <laughs> yeah, Jampo, yeah. Lin, and Yao. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the time they are just there to have some soldiers in training with her who we can identify specifically. Yeah, like they have the most unique designs in the entire film. Voices um, too, right? Yeah, yeah, and like, okay, these are the funny guys, and. I think they are also fulfilling a really important role of starting to respect Mulan, right? They, they develop the respect for her in a way. It's like, okay, it is actually really important that we see characters yeah. do that. And it's through them that we see part of Mulan grow and become a better soldier because she works with them in some parts and um, becomes friends with them. And um, and they help her in the end to... to um, get to the emperor and they they trust her yeah they trust her right. even and, and it, you see and, the they, they have the reversal right where mulan trusts the man to join the army and they dress as women to get into the uh the, the palace mm-hmm. yeah um now shane and, doesn't dress as a woman right i'm remembering that correctly yeah no, and, well, and so like he he remains <laughs> back behind back by the wall and then one of the and uh, then the the the, they, the they, hawk the uh, Falcon. The Falcon sees sees Shane, and um, and that's when he when Mushu burns all of his. Mushu has his moment. Yeah, Mushu has um, his moment, and yeah, and so ultimately, it's like okay, maybe they didn't actually have to dress as women to sneak in because ultimately they sneak in by climbing the pillars. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. they they sneak up on the guards um, dressed as women as a and distraction, then and, the, and, then they, and then they right, attack them. right. Yeah, yeah, and then they they use the skills that they have from their training, and then you know they fight, and so right. it's really just to get up close. Um, yeah. in that moment, but I think the like narrative reversal is is really what they're doing is like okay, but like, what if we had to have them switch and like, yep, they're willing to do it because Mulan says this is this is the idea. Yeah, but they they trust. I wish they had had you- Chang rest. Dress up as a woman too, though. Like, it feels like a little cop out. Like, ah, oh, yeah. our manly man isn't, but the three <laughs> kind of uh, comedic psychic. We can let them cross dress. Yeah. Also, they make it seem like it took seconds for them to change and get that makeup on and <laughs> and find and outfits. Found, I find outfits and everything, and um, yeah, that the that makeup and those outfits take. take I mean, a it's bit the to uh, it's essentially. You and know, so the, makes the makeup seem- that Mulan puts on at the beginning of the film, and that seems to be yeah. like the whole morning and possibly part of the afternoon too. Yeah, and um, though I don't know and- what makeup remover she has on her sleeve because she does just wipe it away. Instantly. Very good, and very good makeup. Two wipes production. I will say that makeup I, does not yeah. in my memory come off that easily. <laughs> no, it doesn't, and I, I don't really have a makeup a full makeup remover on hand. Cause I haven't found one that like really works as well as I wanted to. That's in a good price range. <laughs> um, so I just use a little Vaseline to get my eye makeup off and then I just wash my face and that, and that does it. But like, it doesn't 
get everything off all the time. It, it's really tricky to get but, all that makeup off. But in the moment, symbolically, great moment. Yes. 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 <laughs> like the, the, the 50-50. Of it, uh, can't, can't, don't, don't want to talk about that too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one thing about Chen, Po, Ling, and Yao is... Um, so they start to trust Mulan and they, they trust her and they've become buddies with her. Yeah. They bond. They bond. And, and then when um, she's discovered as a woman and Chifu, Chifu or Shane is grabbing the sword to, to go and um, supposedly kill her. Um, and she, they, they want, want to run up and, and save her. Cause they're like, no, she's, She's a great. Like they would probably not let her die. Yeah. In that moment, like they would, they would struggle. I mean, they're reminded of duty and law and, and Chifu, honor. Yeah. And they, they stop. But like, if if he were to kill that, kill her, I think that would be pretty rough on them. Like they, they were willing to, you know, like go against the law. And they're like, she's for their friend. Yeah, she's a woman, but she she saved us, and and we trust her, and that doesn't change anything um, in in that sense at all. Like she's still the same person. Like Mulan says, you trusted me as, as Ping. Why is Mulan any different? And it's, there's nothing different uh, between the two of them, just a name. And some societal norms and expectations. <laughs> yes. Yeah you know massive culture yeah. and tradition and right right and all yeah. that sort of stuff <laughs> right right that's that's what's different but the point is like should that make a difference yeah, in, uh, yeah. in situations <laughs> yeah. like obviously this? thematically yeah. no difference <laughs> with uh yeah the, yeah the message that is being communicated here all right well i think we are near the end do you have any final thoughts on mulan it's good. It's good. Really excited for for the live action and how it and how it will portray Mulan in a different light because all of the live actions we've had recently since Cinderella are have been really direct, really direct and screenshot shot for shot of of the animated films, and this is not going to be that way. And I'm really excited for it, even if it has it doesn't have Shane. And it doesn't have music, which are two things that I love about this film. It's going to be now, a great the film. trailer. I can, I... They've been using, uh, you know, non-lyrical versions of some of the songs. Is that right? I'm, I'm remembering right. that correctly. Yes. yes, but there's not going to be. Uh, any I think singing. that works as far as. But it does make it interesting. Uh, to, oh, it'll be interesting to see just in terms of the the film as you know, in, in telling this story, it's also reacting to the animated version. Um, and so that, that tension will be interesting to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard people say like in general, it's like, ah, uh, I don't know about the, the live action remakes. Like this is maybe not the best thing that Disney's ever done. They're so similar. I don't know if they need to keep doing it, but I am excited for Mulan. <laughs> yeah. I think <laughs> yeah, it's really, looks it's, great. it's really because Cinderella, I really liked. Andrew hasn't seen Cinderella, right? Not, not all of it. But it's different from the animated version. They 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 kept like some of the same things. They kept Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. They kept um, some of the costume like the, the mice and the mice and everything. But overall, the story 
like the story's the same and it, some of the little details are the same, but it's different. Significantly expanded. And and expanded. And um and I think that's what's gonna happen with Mulan. And it, and if they continue doing these things, I think that's what they need to do. They need to not just do the same animated story. They need to cr- have creativity. Because that's one of the things that people are saying is that Disney's running out of creativity in their in their pockets and 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 they're not they just aren't being pushed in that direction i think yeah and you understand why they're not feeling the need to when lion king can go make a billion dollars for them when they just do a shot for shot well you know largely a shot for shot remake of the animated one right with the new kind of animation not live action but you know what i mean cgi yeah All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to check out episode number eight, when we talk about Tangled, or episode number 141, when we talk about Nimona. You can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod or at jdorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at dizminute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. Sorry, Sorry. Get, get, get the cough out. <laughs> <laughs>